What's up, Redeemed Church? Hey, hello, happy second weekend in the month of June. My name is Eddie Johnson. I'm a part of the teaching team here at Redeemed Church. If you don't know me, man, I'm so excited to bring our penultimate message in our series, Updating Our Operating System as a Church. Kurt will finish us off next week with the series. But here's a quick recap. <clears throat> here's a quick recap over what we've been talking about is we believe as a church, We've got a couple things going on. Number one, we've got our hardware, right? If you understand computer lingo, right? You've got our hardware. We've got the building. We've got the things that everyone sees day in and day out. And then we've got our software. That's the stuff. That's the heartbeat of the church. That's the people being on mission, loving one another, how we think, how we operate, how we do when we're not just necessarily in the four walls of the church. And we are taking that out of John's gospel, John 15, 16, 17, we're talking about updating our operating system and we're taking this picture uh, from when Jesus is with his disciple in his final days. Jesus with his disciples in his final days. And today we're gonna to talk about John 17. Uh, this chunk of scripture has been called the high priestly prayer because Jesus spends some time with his disciples after teaching them, after pouring into them, he spends some time praying for them. And that's where we are today. So that's a perfect opportunity for us to pause right here and pray to open up this week's message. So Father, we thank you. <clears throat> we thank you that you are up to something special. You're doing good and amazing things, Lord. We know that you have begun something here at Redeemed Church. You have begun something special. You are working uh, in the seen and you're working in the unseen and that you are helping us become uh, more uh, considerate, thoughtful, loving believers where we can go out and we can affect change in our world, in our community. Father, I pray you would anoint the words um, that I'm about to share today. God, this is your word, not my word, and I pray I can communicate it effectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm speaking out of John 17. We're just going to go a couple of verses into John 17. But before we do that, I, I need a reverse course for a second. And we're going to pick up actually in the final few verses of John 16, because I want to make sure you see the complete thought that what Jesus is doing here. So John 16, verse 31, I'm going to read out of NIV. I, I like reading out of multiple translations of the Bible. I think it gives us a full picture of the language and the time, uh, or the updated language from the time then to us now. It gives us a real robust picture because words matter, right? We know that words uh, paint a great picture uh, for what we can understand and how we can dig into it. So going with John 16 from the NIV, the New International Version, starting with verse 31. Jesus says to his disciples this question, do you believe? Jesus replied. They were like, hey, Jesus, we, you're finally speaking plainly. We, we're getting it. We're understanding what you're talking about. Do you believe? Verse 31, Jesus replied, a, at, uh, excuse me, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each into his own house. You, uh, you will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone. For my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. Uh, so, you have, so you may have peace. I'm going to start it again. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Kirk did an amazing job last week of telling us that we were to be people of peace. And Jesus is making it clear to his disciples, this is what's going on. They have spent all this time with Jesus, three years of ministry, 
um, a, a few days of intimate time before he's led to the cross. He's been instructing them, teaching them and training them. And finally, the disciples are starting to piece everything together. They're starting to connect all the dots. They're starting to believe. Matter of fact, uh, I, I, I think the disciples don't even fully understand what's going on here. We're not going to get into that. But they're like, we finally get it. Jesus, we're understanding what you're talking about. We're understanding what you're doing. And Jesus even says, do you really? I, I really think he does believe them because he validates the fact that they're believing, but he tells them also, you believe, but you don't fully realize that because you believe what's about to happen next, you're still going to have some bad days. Matter of fact, less than four, five, six days from now, you men who are sitting with me, who are standing with me, who say you believe what I have taught you and what I've shared you, you're going to scatter. One of you are going to deny me. Another, some of you are going to go back home to your mama. Some of you aren't going to believe anything that ever happened. Some of you are going to deny this and pretend like this didn't happen because you're going to realize that because you've decided to believe, you're stepping into a brand new world. And in this world, there's going to be trouble. It's not going to be easy. Quite frankly, I think we as American Christians, we've done the church of the service. We've told the church, we've told people that if you accept Christ, if you follow Jesus, that life gets easy. Life doesn't get easy. In some ways, life gets a lot harder. And Kirk did a great job last week of sharing with us that in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the hard, we're to be people of peace. So that's what Jesus says here. Take heart that I've, because I've overcome the world. You're going to have trouble. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, surely as sparks fly upward, a man was born to trouble. Stuff is going to happen. Stuff is going to come up. But if you're on the team, if you really believe you'll be prepared. Now, that's the stage that's set. Jesus is saying, man, I'm glad you believe. I'm pumped. I'm excited. But you don't fully understand what's about to happen. There's going to be some stuff coming up. And then in chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus shifts. You catch that? Okay. He shifts. He moves from instructing and teaching and training his disciples. He, he, matter of fact, I'm even do this. He shifts from teaching them this way to now he looks up and cries out to the Father on the be their behalf. And this is where we begin the high priestly prayer. And this is what Jesus says. This is what he prays to the Father in heaven for his disciples who he knows are about to step into a world of trouble because of what they believe. John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, what did he say? Fear not because I've overcome the world. You believe you're about to step into a world of trouble. He looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Verse three is our key verse for today. Now this is eternal life, that they would know you the only true God in Christ Jesus, whom you have sent. I'm going to read that again. John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. This is key here because, I want you to understand something. This is key here because I, I, as I was doing my study, I realized something. These words, eternal life, 
depending on the translation of the Bible you're reading, okay, exactly how it's written out, appear upwards of 45 plus times in Scripture. But specifically, in the Gospel of John, in John's Gospel, it appears over 17 times. These words, eternal life. I mean, matter of fact, it shows up so many times. Probably the most obvious and the most memorable is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and son, that whomever believes him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's not the only time. Uh, John 6, uh, 27. Uh, Do not work for food that spoils, but for endures to eternal life. That's after he fed the 5,000. And then also, John 6, 40. For the Father's will is uh, for everyone who looks to the Son and believes shall have eternal life. Over 17 different times in John's gospel, he highlights these words, eternal life. So it got me thinking. It shows up so many times, it's got to be important. So I dug in and decided, what are the words eternal life actually mean? What is Jesus saying? What is John transcribing from the words of Jesus? And literally, eternal life is made up of two Greek words, zoe ionas. Ionias, excuse me, I'm going to say it again. Zoe ionias. Zoe Ionias. Now, some of you here maybe have heard the word Zoe before, so we'll start there. Zoe, all right, has often been viewed as or has been looked at and can be translated. We talk about it as the abundant life or good life or life to the full. This is different than like bios or biology, which is life, blood, sweat, tears, all that. This is all that is life, all that makes up of life, the totality of life, the abundance of life, the fullness of life, and even more specifically, oftentimes, the life that only God can provide. This word shows up in the classic verse, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life, zoe, and have it to the full, have it to an abundance. So we're breaking down this word, eternal life, eternal life, life, zoe, zoe, ionios. Let's talk about ionios. This is where we get that word eternal. What does this mean? This word ionios means the without duration. There is no necessarily beginning. There is no necessarily end, but it's a full spectrum of time. Okay, this word eternal is often attributed to one of the attributes of God that he has no beginning. He has no end. He is. It's also talking about a segment of time, for instance, as if the afterlife or things of that nature. So when you put these two words together, you've got Zoe, Ionios, eternal life. I've kind of was pressing through like, what does that mean for us today? And church, and this is where I want to I want to really dial in and talk about what this means here is this idea here is this, of zoe ionios, eternal life. This is the good and fullness of life. Doesn't that sound so much like so many people are looking for? They want to know the good and the fullness of life, the breadth and depth and the beauty and the grandeur that life can bring, the exceptional wonder, beautiful things of life. Matter of fact, if you dig in really deep, the apostle John John's gospel, he wrote this gospel much later than the other three gospel writers. And I've said this before when we talked about the gospel of John, is you've got a picture, John. He wrote this much later in life, and as he's writing the words, and as he's reflecting what Jesus taught, he's like a friend. The Bible tells us that he's a disciple whom Jesus loved. In other words, he was like Jesus' best friend. He's the friend who's sitting back 
and he's remembering the good old days. Matter of fact, before we turn on this camera, I'm gonna give you a little behind the scenes story. I'm sitting here with our team that records and we were just sharing some old stories and old memories. And you know what it's like, right? When you're sitting with friends and you remember the good old days, you remember the fun things you did together, the exciting times you had together. John is sitting back and he's remembering the good old days of his friend Jesus, his savior Jesus, the beloved Jesus, the savior of the world, the one who told him that if you know me, you have Zoe Ionias. That's what John is doing. John is like thinking, in a world today, John was sitting in Ephesus when he wrote these words, uh, amongst a time when people are pondering the deepest, uh, uh, most uh, meaningful questions of life. He probably was wrestling with people saying, what's the meaning of life? How should I live? How should I interact? And I can picture him sitting back hearing the words of Jesus. If you know me, John 17, verse, uh, John 17, 3, John 17, verse 3. If you know me, if you know the Father, you have Zoe Ionias. The meaning of life, the fullness of life, the depth and breadth and all the beauty of life, life enduring, life everlasting, life that is meaningful and important and amazing comes from knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Man, isn't that something this world needs today? They need to know that you've been looking for answers in every segment of life, in every segment of the world. You've been looking for answers in your identity. You've been looking for answers on social media. You've been looking for answers and you're trying to find validity, validation. You've been trying to find your identity and your purpose in all these things. But John 17, three says, knowing God the Father and the one whom he sent, Jesus Christ, is real life, is eternal life. We digging through what this really means. I, I, I got stuck on this idea of, of knowing. If, if eternal life is knowing Jesus, what does it mean to know Jesus? This is not merely just some head knowledge. Oh, I understand that Jesus did this. I've read this verse and I've seen him show up here and I've seen him show up to there and this, that, and the third and all these things happen. No, knowing this word knowing, you've probably heard it before. I think we've said it in church a couple of times. It's this word gnosko. This word gnosko literally is like a deep, honest knowing. It, it, it can be information, but it goes beyond information to true adept, a soul connection. Matter of fact, this word knowing is often used even in terms of sexu sexually, in the way where a husband knows his wife, a, a wife knows her husband, that there's a deep, intimate knowledge that can only be fully understood in the closest of relationships. So when Jesus says eternal life, Zoe Ionios, comes from knowing God the Father, he's saying, and John's reflecting as he writes these words. If you want to know, if you want to have the, the Zoe Ionios, you want to have the best of life, the best that it brings, the best that it gives, the best of what it's supposed to be, you have to have a deep and intimate knowledge of God the Father, God the Son, and that bring, and that is life. That is eternal life. History and tradition have wrestled for years on what Zoe Ionios really practically means how it plays out in everyday life. And I got four points I want to share with you today that I think will help us understand Zoe Ionios and how it relates to us as Redeemed Church when we talk about updating our operating system. If having deep, intimate knowledge of who God is 
knowing him intimately, knowing Jesus Christ intimately is Zoe Ionios. Here's what I think we need to be aware of. Number one, Zoe Ionios means there's eternal life for the here and now. If knowing Jesus is eternal life, knowing God the Father is eternal life, that means there is a connection that needs to and has started right now in real time as you're listening to me, as you're watching me on YouTube. In real life, as you're watching on Facebook, your eternal life, the abundant fullness of life, the life that's enduring and never ending and everlasting has a real spiritual component, which means God has brought you to life right now and you are to be different because of it. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand Zoe Aonios because it meant that they had life right now. They were stepping into a world of trouble, but he was with them. They knew him and he knew them, and he was breathing life into them. He was pouring life into them. They had the vibrancy and the dynamism of the relationship, the beauty of the relationship even right now. Eternal life, Zoyanios means it's not just for the here and now. It's a real access. You have access to the real good life, but you also, it's, it's of a future to come. In Jewish tradition, this idea here of Zoyanios literally meant in a Jewish mind, a Jewish mindset was you would live your life, you would die, and there would be a resurrection that you would receive and be a part of if you believe. Jesus, when he's saying to know God the Father, to know me, is to have eternal life. He's saying that it's a reality for here and now, but it's also a reality of the future that is to come. Church, you can be assured that knowing deep, intimate knowledge of who the Father is and who Jesus is also means that there is a secured future for you, that the life you live now is just act one in the play and act two is coming. The life you live now is just the beginning, even after the end game for all my Marvel fans out there. There's a future and there's more to come. There's a sequel to this movie. And it's eternal life, life that's everlasting, life that is enduring, life that goes on forever with God the Father and with Jesus Christ. Eternal life is for now, for us today. We live dynamically connected to God the Father and Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit. We live tomorrow, even after we die, we get to live on forever with God the Father. The third thing I want to point out about eternal life, Zoe Ionios, is that there is a clear and distinct opposite to eternal life. There is a clear and distinct opposite to eternal life. That's eternal separation. You'll notice something in John's gospel. Many times he, he brings up an idea and he will always pit the opposite against the idea that there is light and there's darkness. There is life and there is death. He does the same thing here with Zoe Ionios. He often pits it up against, this is the life you can have in Christ if you believe. If you know God the Father, you know Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. If you don't, there's an opposite. We see it in John 3, 16, right? The most famous verse ever, for God so loved the world that whomsoever should believe in him, so God so loved the world, he gave his son, that whosoever should believe in him would not, what? Perish, but have Zoeanios, everlasting life, eternal life. John 3:36. Whoever believes in the Son, uh, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains, remains on them. John 10, 28. 
says these words. John 10, 28, I give eternal life and they, excuse me, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. See, John wants us to know this, is that there is just as much as we have access to life today, this fullness and this amazing vibrancy of life, just as we will be within eternity in loving relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit, there is an opposite. And the opposite means that if you don't have eternal life, if you don't know God the Father, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you will be separated from that. That's a sobering reality that I think sometimes we need to be reminded of. It's not just for here and now. It is for the future. It's not just the future. It is for here and now. And regardless of where you stand, if you do not know God the Father in Jesus Christ, you are separated from Zoe Anios. You're separated from eternal life, both now and in the future. And the fourth point that I want to tie all this in together is Zoe Ionios, eternal life, knowing Jesus, knowing God the Father, changes how we as believers operate in this world. Knowing God the Father, Jesus Christ, is eternal life. John 17, 3. That changes how we operate in the world. I think Jesus wanted his disciples to know this because if they got this, if they got eternal life, it puts everything else into perspective. I think John stressed this over 17 times in his gospel because he was living in a world where everyone was looking for meaning. Everyone was looking for answers. And when you know that everyone's looking for answers and you have the answer, it changes how you do everything. I think when believers understand that eternal life is knowing Jesus intimately, deep knowledge, where you're connected truly and you have eternal life, I think when you get to know Jesus that much, so much, the light of Christ shines through every thought, through every deed, through, it shines in every single one of your fears, it shines into every choice, it affects every vote, it, reflect, it affects every Facebook post, it, it affects every purchase, it gets into every single decision and direction you choose because you know you're operating from a place that says, I know Jesus, I know God, I have this life, this fullness, this complete full life that I'm supposed to live and it should affect every single thing we do. It should affect how we love. It should affect how we communicate. It should affect everything because if you know what it's like to have this eternal full life being connected with God, you know what it's like not to have it and your heart should break every single time you meet someone who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know God the Father because they don't know what it's like to have this life. And I think that's what John was doing. I think John was sitting back and saying, man, People want the meaning to life. People want to know. Well, let me tell you about my best friend. Let me tell you about the man that if you know him, everything else makes sense. I think when the disciples of Christ get Zoeanias, they don't run away scared when problems get hot. How do we start this verse? We started it in John 16. When Jesus says, do you really believe? Well, the block is going to get hot. 
It's going to get hard. But if you know me, you know I've overcome the world. If you know me, you know you have eternal life. If you know me, you know the Father. And that puts everything else. The Father is up here. Zoeonis is up here. You have the secret sauce that everyone's been looking for. Well, everything else falls into place because of that. A couple more verses and then we'll wrap up. In John 17, after he prays that prayer, Father, knowing the one you sent, knowing you and knowing the one you sent is eternal life. He goes on to say this in verse four. Jesus talking to the Father in his prayer. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in, the present, in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Verse six. I have revealed to you, I have revealed, excuse me, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they have everything you have given me, now they know everything you have given me comes from you. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'll summarize those couple few verses simply this. Father, everything you've given to me, I've given to them. Father, you have preserved and kept them, and I have not let go of any single ones you've given to me. And now I send them out. Kurt's going to finish the second half of John 17 next week. And I was processing this. I was remembering a story that I think summarizes this perfectly. And, and I actually had to Google it to look it up because I couldn't remember who it was attributed to. And uh, it's attributed to a lot of different people. We don't need to get into all that. But... It's a story of, uh, depending on how you've heard it, it could be a grandfather on his deathbed sharing with his grandson or some combination like that. But it, it goes like this. It's a poem, really. And it says, when I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. When I found it was difficult to change the world, I tried to change my nation. When I found I couldn't change my nation, I began to focus on my own town. And I couldn't change my town as an older man, so I tried to change my family. Now as an old man, I realized the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly I realized long ago, if I had changed myself, I would change, I made an impact on my family. If I would have had impact on my family, I would have changed my town. If I would have changed my town, had an impact on them, it would have changed my nation. And if I would have changed my nation, it would have changed my world. Church, I believe that when the disciples of Christ, not the 12 guys who were hanging out with him then, but even us today, when we get, when we fully understand that knowing God is the secret sauce. Knowing God is eternal life. It changes everything we do. We recognize who we are. We recognize what he's done for us and we operate differently in the world. There's only, I, I, I've been saying this for the last couple of years and, and this is how we'll end, is I've been saying this so many times. The Bible makes it clear. There's only one way to God the Father. That's through Jesus Christ. That's it. But church, there are many ways to get to Jesus. What are those many ways? It's you, it's me, it's Kurt, it's Meg, it's Marty, it's Kevin, it's Dave, it's Nicola, it's Kendra, it's Caleb, it's Josh, it's Darby, it's Angela. There's a lot of different ways to get to Jesus when you know you have eternal life because you know God the Father and you know the Son. So if we're updating our operating system, I think we have to start thinking differently about what it means 
to have eternal life. John 17, 3, for the last time, and this is eternal life. If they would know you, they would know who you sent. That is eternal life. Not the key to eternal life. Deeply, intimately knowing is eternal life. Father, thank you for this time. Be with us as we move throughout our week that we would be agents of change and agents of love, that we would step into a messy world, but we would be at peace knowing you've overcome and that when we walk into a situation, we bring life to the party. We are the life of the party because we know the one who gives life. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, Redeemed Church. God bless you. I love you. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a good day.